everybody. I'm your host, Aram Al-Kumuf, and you're listening to another episode of the Product Innovation Show. Every week where our guests share their stories and wisdom on how to ship a great product. Today, I'm joined by Abhishek Basin, who is a head of product for a credit assessment platform for small business lenders called Uplink. He previously was a director of product at both Equifax and at TransUnion, and he got his MBA from Schulich in 2010. And uh, worth noting as well, he's also the chair of the board for Oiko Credit Canada. So real subject matter expert when it comes to, to credit. So really happy for you to be on our show today, Abhishek. Um, Welcome. Thank you, thank you. Uh, really good to be here and and talking about this this uh, you know really close to my heart topic how how to ship a great product. Yeah, as a product person, I yeah would love to talk about that. Awesome. Um, so the first question I have is maybe a, kind of a big topic, um, but I was curious to ask in terms of how do you identify you know your your purpose when it comes to what you do. And what I mean by that is like how you as a product le- leader specifically figure out what you stand for uh, and that doesn't make it sound too fluffy. Yeah, I know. I think that's a really fair question and, and, a, and a good question to start with. So I would say that my main focus over the last decade or so has been, and that's kind of what I think is my main purpose is how do I facilitate wealth creation? And when I say wealth creation, I don't mean making money for an individual. I really mean more on a societal basis, how as a, as a group of individuals, how from a social perspective, we can create wealth, which really means how do citizens like you and me or businesses get access to services that they need to fulfill their life dreams. And for me, the means to that is financial inclusion. That's why all of my purpose, all of my work over the last 15 years has been focused in financial services, whether in in a big bank or a credit bureau or a microfinance institution. Whatever I've done is all around this, whether B2B or B2C or B2B2C is all around this financial inclusion to facilitate wealth creation. Uh, That's very interesting. I think you're one of the few guest speakers that has this like real focus towards the sector. when it comes to product. And I'm just curious, like, how do you make sure that you're you're always focused on this objective? Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's so essentially, you know, when I think about that, the, the how do I enable whatever I'm creating, whatever product, I think product has a huge role to play in it because the way I create product, they need to be accessible. How will people consume it? How will businesses consume it? If I'm selling to lenders, for example, how will the lenders consume it? And they will enable it to their customers. I think that this accessibility is key part of how I design the product and how I think about making sure that that when I'm going to solve the problem for who I'm looking to solve for, that they will be, will their problem be truly solved or not? I think that's, I think the key goal for me that the product development should always keep in mind. Okay. And um, I think for this type of products that you build, um, how do you watch out for, keep in mind things like product market fit when creating anything uh, net new? And maybe before we even get there, how would you, in your own words, define it for the audience? 
See, yeah, that's a question which I which I often get asked many a times. See, the the big problem with the word product market fit itself is that here the product is coming first. I I wish it was market product, but that doesn't sound right. So product market, it's easier. <laughs> you have to start thinking about who is your user, and who is your target customer, uh, and most importantly, for understand, do you have to understand? What is it? What truly is their pain point? You have to really be part of their lives. And what is that? What, and you know, you can't start living with them. But what I mean is that you really have to start listening to them, understanding what truly their challenges are. And therefore, when you truly understand how, what their challenges are, you also start to understand how they're solving it today. So, can you then create a product which solve for their pain points in the most unique way that no one else can? has done that but but also in the most convenient way so those are the key things you know what i always watch out for for also is is what are the consequences when you when you're creating a product and you're putting it in front of someone there is always some component of behavior change it has to be very minimal but there will be something there because otherwise if you're not creating any friction you're not really solving anything you have to really move the needle you have to push the user a certain bit not a lot but certain bit so that they can actually bring that change but for that to truly happen you need to make sure that there is a bit of convenience for them to do that i think that is something which i always keep in mind that what are the consequences there are intended consequences and then there are unintended consequences so you have to really study both as you evolve your product as you do your testing as you do your validation as you create the product so keep in mind that that oh what are the intended and unintended consequences what is incentivizing or taking away the incentive from the user uh, is it truly solving their problem so i think that that mm-hmm. is the whole idea of of for me in terms of what the product market fit should be interesting and um can you i mean from a new product creation standpoint um how do you pragmatically actually go about trying to pinpoint some of those problems or challenges that uh people are facing so that you get the data that you need to assess whether there's like viability even there in the idea yeah see this this is often another problem that sometimes we think that we have a solution where we have not really spoken to anyone so that's kind of wishful thinking right the other is that oh you you kind of have some understanding based on your experience and you were able to cook up a really good story for example and sometimes even raise money to build something but truly you truly when the product is launched nobody is actually using it because it didn't really you didn't really ask them you didn't really solve their problem or challenge so what i would say is usually when i go about solving a problem for a certain segment of the population what i would say is i will look around and see what truly are the are the problems people facing today depending on your frame of reference depending on your experience everybody approaches a certain a specific problem that they want to solve for but if you can truly solve the problems which are based on a need rather than a want so if you mm. that that is i think a very important gauge to begin with so go and see what are the things that are happening across you around you 
and where you feel that oh this is this is not right or this could be done in a better way and it truly solves for a need with and you solve for that need because ultimately for me the product has to go and create a meaning in their lives and when i say meaning in the users life what i want to what i mean is that are they getting access to the service that they need which will help them achieve their life goal whatever their next life goal is is it helping them achieve that life goal without co- causing additional pain without causing other problems along the way if you can do that then that's their starting point okay uh and i'm curious because i know you work that uh or you work or you work sorry at different kind of financial institutions where you might have many different customers that you need to service so as a product leader how do you you know operationalize the need when you need to keep in mind multiple persona types or you know customers um in the product creation or like the validation stages like without getting without overcomplicating everything so see what i would suggest like what i my approach usually is that think of yourself uh that you're not solving the problems of everybody so not first and foremost not everyone is your customer i think that is a critical point you have to really narrow it down you have to really focus it and by narrowing down i i i i'm not saying that you exclude everybody so that you really cannot even scale up but you have to really work hard and narrow it down you it's it, we're not a, a a phone company which is which is offering a phone service or a telecom company which is offering those those services to anybody and everybody you're not a bank uh you're not a uh, you know like a walmart uh so that kind of so you have to really define well define yourself who are you targeting and you have to be very narrowly focused on that and that is that is critical you always have to keep coming back yes there may be changes and pivots along the way you may have to think about how do you scale up your product but you have to st- start with a specific customer segment uh and then go from there So just with that example you gave of like large institutions like Walmart or banks how how do you know or have or or have you seen how they kind of like figure out when they have massive resources massive problems to solve like uh, how, how do they segment it out So see if you're talking about a large institution like a bank for example so they as you rightly said right they have tons of resources they have many different teams so usually there are two kinds of approaches broadly speaking there are many approaches but two kind of approaches one is okay you create teams based on a certain product type okay so if it's a lending product versus a deposit product versus a cash management product you basically divide teams into those three sort of broad categories and within lending you will have many many different products you know whether it's a secured unsecured you have credit card you have a mortgage you have a line of credit so on and so forth right then so then it helps kind of bring some sense to okay this is my goal here is to lend versus my goal here is to collect money and grow and save it versus move money so based on the use case they will uh, you know banks will approach it but ultimately it's the one same customer that they may be going behind uh, uh, these three different segments will have some specific areas that they would want to focus on and prioritize because of the things maybe that may be changing outside and from a technology perspective from a market demand perspective but overarching 
they still have to manage that, oh, if I'm going behind, because there is overlap across all, for example, you and me, we need services across all three buckets. So then mm-hmm. how do I rationalize what I am actually serving them based on what what their life scenario looks like today? So if I'm a bachelor versus I have a family, two different scenarios. So that's, but so which is very different from someone who's building a startup, right? Like a big organization, big resources, they can siphon off these areas, but they have to make sure that they don't become silos. So many a times they, they became silos in the past, but now availability of data and technology with AI and machine learning, with, uh, you know, they are trying to connect all these things through data lakes or data warehouses so that they can really understand and also predict in future. So that is something which is very important uh, from a product perspective. Product has to be, has to be, um, has to have ears and eyes on the ground on how things are changing, bring it back internally and make sure everything is aligned to that, where you are today, but where you're going in future. But as a startup, which is very focused, okay, this is the one problem that I'm trying to solve for. And then you you make sure that you are you go behind and, and stick to that. You you really validate very strongly before you say whether it works or it doesn't work. So that's kind of the gauge. Awesome. And when it comes to startups specifically, like I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, you know, companies that are in an early stage, maybe they get some funding, they get distracted with different kind of objectives. But I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a lot of startups, unfortunately, um, rush to scale out their business or their product when there isn't enough traction. And so I'm just curious, what would you say is enough traction in order for you to warrant scale? <laughs> See, this is a tricky question, right? Um, so I have been advising a number of startups over the last few years as part of some you know, different accelerators and incubators and now building Uplink as a credit assessment platform. See, uh, there is always that that dynamic around, oh, are we moving fast enough? And there could be pressures from the sales side, from the investor side. Uh, do we have enough traction? If you look at today's scenarios, how uh, investors are have completely, like the mood has changed. Money was free flowing mm-hmm. and now versus kind of the taps are dry. So it's a clear problem of focusing on one versus the other. Instead of saying growth, 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 and now the focus has come to profitable growth. How are you managing your margins? What What is your EBITDA? Which should always be the focus. And that is the core problem. That is the core problem. So how you distribute your product, how you actually go and and, and connect with your target customer, So that, that is something which you always have to keep in mind. So what I would say is from a traction perspective, um, you know, you have to think about what features you're bringing to the table. So think of that as like, if I have, if I have to divide my, um, you know, the, the feature set into three broad buckets, bucket one would be sort of the core set of features that have come out of my user research. We can call it MVP or, you know, slightly beyond MVP. The second bucket is sort of the wish list that you're hearing from different people. And that's where the problem around traction comes in that, oh, I'm hearing this, let's build this. I'm hearing this, let's build this. Don't build it, put it in a separate bucket. 
put it in a bucket where you you know we call it like a future wish list kind of bucket and you see whether there is enough number of people who are saying whether they want this kind of feature or not and then the last bucket the third bucket would be you a set of features or demands or market kind of things that are coming from your very strategic partners your strategic relationships and those mm. will feed potentially your bucket 1 or bucket 2 depending on the priority so you always have to keep in mind when you're building that are you building you know how your roadmap is coming along and what moves into the backlog versus what remains out of the backlog based on these three buckets as long as you have that discipline so what is the outcome right the outcome is just like in business you have business arr right we talk about annual recurring revenue to track business traction on a product side you also have to have a product arr so what is this product arr and you know are you activating your product in the right way do the customers have a good experience when you're activating onboarding these these customers onboarding these users uh, depending on whether it's b2b or b2c or some hybrid version of it the second is mm-hmm. once they have been onboarded are you able to retain them are they engaging with the platform are they coming back are they how much are they using are did they use it once and then they left it or they continue to use it for a variety of different use cases and then the last but not least are are they referring your product so this this product arr is your key metric or gauge to see whether you're gaining traction or do you need, are you falling behind and how do you accelerate it okay um on another note i wanted to ask you about i'm sure you've been in situations at different companies where leadership or c level or like maybe even the ceo themselves directly are driving some of the product decisions or the roadmap um do you feel in those situations that it, you know they have a higher chance to succeed or a lower chance compared to uh, when they're a bit more hands off see this is a this is it all it depends you know i would say it 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 uh, there is no like there's no kind of short answer to that but i what i would say is that in my view uh, based on my experience with many different ceos and cfos and cro's and ctos like you know what i've seen is there are three key factors in my view one is what is the background of that person and by background it doesn't mean their professional experience necessarily only but what's their focus so are they solely focused on driving sales hmm. if that is the case then you will find yourself in a problem zone from a, as a product person that there will be sort of a chasm or there will be friction between say on one side you have tech technology you have data you have analytics and they will kind of be at at odds with how sales want to run the organization so there has to be some pragmatism in that if the if the ceo is a leader who who is pragmatically looking at that and there are sometimes pressures from a market from a short term perspective that's different okay if 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 the market or if the situation is such that you have to really drive sales that's fine but there needs to be alignment on that but if if that is the overarching goal in all scenarios always then that's a problem the second piece is beyond that what kind of domain expertise the ceo has 
in the area that you have launched your product in. So if they understand how the customers, how the users behave, how they make decisions, then they will have a really good appreciation of why you as a product person is doing what you are supposed to be doing. You always have to keep feeding that. So it's a very big responsibility on the product being the ears and eyes on the ground that you have to feed that to the CEO, to everybody in the organization. Make sure that they understand at all times. And last but not least, I would say is, um, you know, once they, they, if they have the right expertise, if their focus is right, then it's all about how they're able to communicate what they're, what they where they really want the, to take the organization to. I think those three things together, um, you know, will, will really help succeed or not succeed. If they truly understand the product value prop, then they will do the, take the right decision. If they have a doubt around product proposition, value proposition, then there will be problems. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, I wanted to ask you your perspective on like um, organizations that are, are are a sales-driven culture versus a product-led culture. I think you kind of like hinted there in, in your prior response, but I've been seeing that a lot more companies are moving to a product-led growth kind of focus. And I wanted to get your thoughts in terms of like in which scenarios or industries or sectors do you see that being the path forward versus more of a sales driven one see this is this is see as a product person my bias is always towards okay that all organizations should have a product lens first because what is it truly a product lens a product lens is you're thinking about user first before building anything if, because if the user is happy if the customer is happy then you really are truly serving them the product or services that they need. And then the revenues are an outcome of that. Sales are an outcome mm-hmm. of that. If you're prioritizing sales, then you're always thinking about short term. Then you're playing, for example, the price tactics. So there are industries where it's there when they are heavily commoditized, when there is complete lack of differentiation, which truly should not be the case. If you really want to differentiate and be successful, then you have to not be a commodity. For example, I'll give you an example. Till a few years back, if you think about vacuum cleaners, you know, before Dyson kind of came in and 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 started innovating this product category, it was a heavily commoditized product category. People really, you know, ba- bought a product based on maybe who or which company is offering more warranty. So that was one of the differentiators. Like, not okay, there's not a lot of differentiation. I will go with the price point and maybe a warranty. Okay, I've heard this. But then they completely changed. They made it a product-first approach instead of a selling-first approach. They redesigned and they charged a hefty premium and and sort of went there where no one else did. Same happened with uh, you know products like uh, Wi-Fi products, you, the, the nests of the world. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea is if you are sales driven, then you're always most likely playing a price game. So sure. that's kind of my take on it, but yeah. Yeah. And with your career to date uh, in product, what are some of the main lessons or principles that you keep coming back to? See, the biggest thing that I always keep at the back of my mind is 
that as a product person, you need to be a spokesperson for the for your customer, for your target user. I think that is the most critical. You cannot create products that are self-serving. And by self-serving means that it serves the company and it it, it, it looks good on your resume. It, it makes you feel good. It, nothing of that matters. You have to really, truly help the person you are trying to sell your product to. If it makes their life better, then you as a product person has succeeded. So you have to be really humble about it, that, that you don't know everything. And then things are changing. You really need to always learn. Oh, I have to always learn. Okay, I don't know. And the more people you talk to, the more open you are to listening. And by listening, see, the, 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 there is a there is one example I'll, I'll give you. So I was talking to one of the uh, you know companies that I was uh, advising, a, a fintech. So the diff, there were three main leaders. One of the like, so th- they they all were aligned to the idea. They liked the idea and they were building this product. But when I I was talking to them, but then you know I uncovered that yes they like the idea, but they t- truly made one of the one or of the founders truly did not believe that idea. So there is a difference between liking the idea and building something which will be very successful versus truly believing. So what is that difference? The difference is when you truly believe the idea, then you then you you have actualized it. Like you you have imbibed the idea to an extent that you. Truly, there is no explanation needed. You already understand why it matters. And that can only happen if you have, if all of the people in the team really understand truly how the user or the target customer goes about making that decision or goes about solving the problem that you're trying to solve. If you don't understand that, then you will never believe in in the idea. You would like the idea, you may build product, but you will never believe in it. I think that's that's key passion towards whatever you do in, in another way. So um, it's a make or break, I think, when, <laughs> when committing to building out any kind of startup or product as well. Um, awesome. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into uh, something we've been trying out. It's a, it's a fireside format. I'm going to it's a quick round question and answer structure. Um, Try to keep your responses uh, short and in fact, and short. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So the first one I have is how do you ask better questions when building product? Uh, Think about the user. That's it. That's it. All right. Um, What have you become better saying no to over the years? Assumptions. So if people make assumptions, I would always ask, is it true or not? Okay. Um, if you were only a, if you were only uh, were to work five hours a week on something in uh, your product, what would you want to spend those five hours on? See, I would love to talk to people and uh, and teach about how to build products. Those are the main things I would do, like you know, teaching and then talking to people. Okay. Um, any controversial controversial views you hold? I, I I'm not sure, but I think, uh, and this has been a recent evolution. I used to think that um, 
democratic thinking is the best approach, which I still do like to get ideas. But in terms of choosing, I think it's it should be based on merit, it not cons- that everybody has to uh, has to agree that it's not on mass consensus, but rather choose hmm. something based on merit, which is backed by data, backed by real people, what they're what they what will impact their lives, rather than oh, this is the consensus view, and let's go with that. Okay. Um, is there any other profession other than what you're doing right now that you would like to attempt? Oh yeah, I would love to love to act. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, to date, what's been the most worthwhile investment you've made in yourself? See, I would say the most worthwhile I would uh, is buying a piano for my daughter. Like it's not when I think about myself as I, you know, it's all about for me a, a lot about uh, family as well. So introducing her to music, music as a as a learning, getting a piano, I, and she plays really well. She's she has really good ears. I mean, so it worked out. So that I think that is the best investment for me. Okay. Awesome. Uh, any books or any pieces of content that have greatly influenced you over the over the years in product? See, I would say it. You have to go beyond the realm of a, a specific subject. So I really like uh, understanding people, how they behave, how they how they've learned things. So, and for that, you also have to. Uh, kind of be at peace with yourself. So this this book by Dalai Lama called Art of Happiness is something which has appealed really well to me. Uh, other than the brand management books, which there are a few, which I really liked in terms of how you add meaning to people's lives so that they can really trust. So you have to go beyond just selling something. You have to really make sure that they trust you. And then that can only happen if you're truly adding meaning to meaning to their lives. Okay, awesome. I, I haven't heard that book, so I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, last question I have is, um, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? <laughs> See, I think it's 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 funny. I would say that, um, it, I would say it's very basic, right? It's a simple question that people don't ask sometimes. That that why does it matter? Why does it matter? I think I always. I would always encourage everybody to ask, why does it matter? How do you, are you truly doing something that will help change someone's life? I think that is the key question for me. So if you can ask that, why does it matter? Then I think that's the key question for me. Okay, awesome. Oh, well, this was this was great. Oh, thank you. Abhishek, uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, sharing all this knowledge with us today. And uh, always thank you to our listeners for tuning in and uh, and um, uh, and joining us. <laughs>